Hey, welcome to Nerd News Now for August 10th, 2020. Uh, I'm with Miss Jen, as always, and Jarek is back. Jarek, what's going on? Not much. How about you? Oh, uh, there's a pandemic. I think that was probably going on the last time you were here, but I can't remember. Is that still going on? I've been under a rock for a while, so I don't really know. Yeah, it's, it's still going on. It's the, it's, the, it's the same one. It's not even like a cool sequel or anything. It's just the same <laughs> one over and over. God, I mean, at least at this time we should be on pandemic two. Are people not wearing their masks or socially distancing? I mean, are they not staying home? What is this? <laughs> God, it's just that pandemic one. We're America. We should know this. Oh. I know that it's uh, pandemic two electric maskaloo. Oh, there we go. Yeah, because like, like this first pandemic has lasted longer than the gap between Sharknado one and two. So it's like that's when you know it's a long time. So what's going to last longer, the COVID pandemic or the, confedera- the Confederacy? What's going to last longer in, hist- in history? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, now I'm going to have to know. History. I, I hope it's not the pandemic, but at the same time, I'd love it to be the pandemic. I, I'd love for COVID to have a larger part of American history than the Confederacy. Who knows? Well, <laughs> um, so what, hey, what have you been up to the last three weeks, nerd-wise? What have you been uh, diving into? I have been doing a lot of miniature painting, nerd-wise. A lot of sticking up to date with um, board games and card games, I guess, uh, as per my job. Um, but really, I haven't really been able to do too much, because kind of, my schedule's been crazy recently. But when I have been doing stuff, it's uh, board games, like Gloomhaven, has been eating up my free time. And then um, miniature painting, it's my go-to hobby. So, can't complain. Uh, what's your favorite color right now? My favorite color right now, um, <clears throat> probably red. Still red. Yeah. Well, I would assume I would assume with paints they're gonna have like twenty different shades of red, right? Or is it or is it more standard than you would it think? It depends on who you go through. I know I use Citadel, which is the Games Workshop brand, and I could look right now, and there's like eight different colors colors of red across different you know applications. So yeah, there's a lot of reds. Yeah. It's no, just I just I've never been able to get into the hobby and uh, I one no artistic talent whatsoever. So even if it was just as simple as paint the miniatures and don't play with them, which I'm sure there are people out there to do that. Oh yeah, uh, I, I've just uh, I would like to try it one time, but I would have to find some sort of like self-contained kit to where I get everything I need in oh. one shot. Yeah, so. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a uh, next pandemic. Next maybe pandemic. Uh, a good day. I guess we'll do we'll do miniatures then. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and Miss Jen, what have you been up to? Um, uh, we had an epic uh, convention this weekend online because you can't do it in person. Yay! We've been doing planning and implementing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so you're speaking about CadetsCon. You had, what, 31 hours of programming? It was crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, we didn't. It's one of those things I was glad we chose not to go all night because I don't think my voice would have made it. <laughs> we, just, uh, we did a Friday night ready, set, draw. Mm. And that was a, a charity fundraising event that we did. We had a bunch of artists come on and, and you know, draw live, which is awesome to be able to see te- te- techniques and stuff. Uh, Chaz, I think, is donating a piece. He didn't do live, but he was gonna he's gonna send one our way. This is awesome. Nice. And then we had a all day Saturday. We were going until midnight. We had a, a Nerdcuter Warfare in which Mark Tolley was smearing everybody. Yeah, Ch- so Chaz and I were on there and I thought we were gonna go head to head. I had technical difficulties, which is probably common with digital cons, but I, I get on there and then I'm finally going head to head with Chaz. And he's like, I tap in this other guy. I'm like, what? I didn't even know that was in the rules. Yeah. It was in the rules. He made up his own rules. We talked about it today. Like, we're doing our postmortem for the show. Yeah. Because it's the first time we've ever played it in which we were doing it the kind of the Zoom way, or StreamYard in this case. And I I was like, you know, there were some things I would have definitely changed. And one was a tag, and we would have taken it totally away. And then I. (laughs) of like maybe like muted mics and said okay you have a minute to make a point because we had a lot of like talking over each other which felt a little little less fun and less game showy and more like you know arguing in the car (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, you saw, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, so with nuclear warfare, you usually get uh, a, a person who is usually uh, fictional, uh, and then you will get an, an item. That item can be sometimes it's a car, sometimes it's a weapon. Well, we had the person weapon. I get Cersei from Game of Thrones with the Infinity Gauntlet, and I had to say more than Cersei has the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Like, point that she would win so then it got pretty heated uh and that one uh, that one went on for like i think 10 minutes just kind of yelling back and forth but uh it was fun but i should not have had to say uh, more than cersei has an infinity gauntlet just in that tone and it should be over well was it like specifically say that she has all of the uh you know reality stones with her all the other you know all the stones that was not specifically stated but i'm just uh, saying at that point the yeah. argument it, it keeps going. If she had everything with her, then yes. Cersei has the Infinity Gauntlet. You're gone. Um, <laughs> yeah. I saw Mark try to do a, an epic move of total baloney when he mm. tried to convince someone they could only use a sonic screwdriver if they had a good heart. <laughs> <laughs> sure did do that. I will. Here's the thing. I got like the worst possible draw for me that round, which was Sauron from. Um. Yeah, I don't know anything about Lord of the Rings because I tell you guys all the time I fall asleep. Man. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't yeah. even know what type of creature he is. I just know it's a giant eye laser thing. Well, I mean, that's his most recent rendition in, you know, Middle Earth, especially in the third air. Anyway, what was the item you got? Uh, oh, it was the... <laughs> I think it was a, a gun from the fifth element, which never even came up in the conversation. Oh, what what was Sauron with a gun from the fifth element going against? I need I need the full breakdown here so I can make an, I, can, I can see how uh, going against the T one hundred from the Terminator series with a sonic screwdriver. I think the good heart thing applies in the situation. <laughs> I mean, what do you what, what's a T one hundred gonna do with a sonic screwdriver against Sauron? You know, essentially he's 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 a dark angel that fell to Morgoth and like you know, he is all powerful in the mortal realm. What's a T one hundred gonna do? I'm gonna point this at hum at you. Maybe it'll make your armor go away. Come on, Mark. You should know this stuff. <laughs> you Mark, call your around that I got bored with you guys and I just threw some more villains in the fray. <laughs> I, I think that is the right because I didn't know what was going on, and then I try and I think I was given Joker. Mm. Joker. He so got the Yeah, so I had Joker going, and then and Joker versus the Borg, and I don't know what I don't know what all was going on. The Borg, hands down. I don't think so because if the Borg tries to assimilate Joker, Joker's insanity would then infect the Borg, and then game over. But see, that's the whole thing, though, is the Borg, you know, it, it, when it assimilates cultures, it, you know, it sifts through the information that's useful and then discards all the rest. And then the useful stuff gets sent out to the rest of the, you know, the collective. Yeah, but the one thing the Borg's never been over to come is the unrequited love between Joker and Batman. Well, I mean, there's no... That's, how you, that's how you spit out oh. a fact and make it seem like that's the fact when that makes no sense. Ugh. <laughs> True though, Mark. I really thought it was a brilliant argument, really. Because really <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joker would not let uh, anything get in the way of him being the one to destroy Batman. We've seen that play out a lot. Uh, Miss Jen, what? Uh, so I know that other people were doing panels as well, because uh, and and hosting uh, artists from all over. Who wh were there any guests that surprised you or that you learned a lot about or from? Uh, there were a lot. We actually had some uh, non-conventional guests. Like we had uh, some musical guests that came on. Um, OA from, he's local. He's a, a Christian hip-hop artist who's really great. And he brought some friends on that are uh, Houston-based um, hip-hop guys. Mm. It was cool because, I mean, it's. I always think of music and comics and all those kinds of things as kind of like slightly related. Yeah. And so it was kind of neat. To, we talked a lot about the behind the scenes about how people produce music and how they help each other out and make connections and those kinds of things. And the whole time they're talking, I'm thinking, oh, this is exactly, it's just overlay it with the comic book industry of like, you have to go and keep doing the thing a million times and get rejected over and over and over and over and over again. And then eventually you might meet someone that's a good mentor that's above you that can, that can pull you up. Mm. And, and it's, it's just like exactly the way I hear everyone talking about how to get to break into like, 
being a creator in the industry is like exactly the same. No, that, that, that yeah, uh, about connections and collaborations. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. No, it, it, it makes sense though, that kind of connection. I mean, that's, I think that's true for any of the creative industries. It's all about who you know and ho hopefully finding someone who th thinks you have talent and can help foster it and kind of going forward from there. So I think that's a, that's a pretty valid connection. Yeah, there were some mind-blowing guests like the um, Tim Jacobus, who is the cover artist for classic uh, Goosebumps books, was a guest, which I'm like, that it's like really cool to hear how you know he was brought up by somebody else that was huh. already doing those kinds of things and um to be able to to hear like the process for for covers how how they went about it how he it was like very practical when he was doing it uh as opposed to now where you like digit digitally draw things and send them in and they decided like you like have to deliver an actual physical piece of art to the publisher wow back in the day and have them approve it <laughs> Hmm. And and Goosebumps was a and is still a, a big deal. So, yeah. like the uh, sometimes we don't, especially with like the the way we have Kindles and digital readers, we're not thinking about the physical presence of we are because of comics. But other people who may have transitioned to that are are just not remembering going to a bookstore or a library uh, and seeing like something had to grab your attention just much yeah. in the a movie poster does or a movie trailer comic book covers variant covers things like that so uh and then you had uh was ram v a guest also oh man ram killed it it's just it's so cool we had guests from all over the world so we have people from japan mm. uh we had guests from two guests from germany that came on with our first uh interviews and then ram came from he was out of london we had uh, Allison Sampson from UK, and we had Declan Shalvey from Ireland. So it was an interesting scheduling puzzle, yeah. but uh, it worked really well. Rom, Rom's great because he uh, got to show his new book that's coming out soon. Uh, I think it's called uh, Blue and Green. Mm. It's uh, so beautiful. He's actually been sending me for months and months and months inside art from that stuff, and I, it's just so hard to have known what's in there and not be able to finish a finish the book because he won't give me the end of the book obviously just teasing me along with it but uh <laughs> to be able to see it and not be able to say a whole bunch is really yeah. hard so i was glad to like finally have it be out there so i can talk about how cool it is nice and then uh so obviously you mentioned scheduling and especially coordinating uh skype calls with people in completely different time zones what are some other uh, what were some other challenges in putting together a virtual con? Um, really, that was it. We I was so worried that we have some uh, mix ups for time. We did have one guest show up an hour early, and then interview with a couple sec for a couple seconds, and then say, like I'll be back in an hour when it's really my turn. <laughs> but uh, uh, and it was funny. I saw Allison Sampson. She came on because you can see in Streamyard, you can see people that pop into the room. I saw. Her pop on and i sent her a private message and i was like what well, i'm so glad to see you i'll see you in five hours when it's your when, when you come on and the 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 snafu was i didn't realize i mean allison's one of the people i really wanted to talk to because she's a friend of mine but i didn't realize that her time slot was exactly right in the middle of when i'm live on the comic book shopping network but oh. in the two hours that i wasn't going to be in the stream was when she was on so i got to totally talk to her and be like i'm so sorry sister <laughs> well that's just one of those i mean that's just like a real calm where you got so much going on you just can't possibly do yeah. or participate in everything you want uh but you uh a lot of these are on woodlands online still and youtube right if anyone wants yeah. to check them out you can, uh, the links are up a lot of different places but probably the easiest place is just go to youtube or woodlands online and just type in uh the cadets con they're mm. broken up into Saturday part one and two, uh, Sunday part one and two, and uh, I think that uh, Nuclear Warfare is uh, recorded as its own thing too. Nice. Uh, yes, yeah, so a lot to a lot to check out there. Um, besides uh, Cadets Con, have uh, and this is for you too, Jerick. Have either of you participated in any virtual cons this year? Uh, and uh, what do you think of virtual cons as, you know, obviously a necessary replacement for 
for physical conventions as my phone falls. Yeah, for everyone not watching this and probably like podcasting this later, Mark literally just did drop his phone and it was. Awesome. I did. It, it was really great. just fall, but there we go. No, this, this is the third stage of the pandemic. This is pandemic three when the gravity stops working and everything starts falling down or floating up, or whatever. It really did, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did quarantine con with Chaz uh, earlier this summer, which was interesting. Um, so, you know, we ran into a lot of the same issues you were talking about, Ms. Jed, but on a smaller scale, obviously, where we weren't nearly you know, running a whole 31 hours of programming compared to you, but it was still very similar stuff. But I know being a part of it was still interesting. I've been able to actually go as a guest to a lot of virtual cons, though. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how that experience would differ. But I mean, it's still a I think it's an easier way to do panels because it's you're in the comfort of your home or wherever you're streaming from. And it's just like, cool, you, you're, you're in a space that you're comfortable with and you're a little more natural with talking in that kind of space. And just it it makes, I think, interviews go a lot quicker and a lot more natural. It is true. I, I So the only one I've gone to as just a to guest and go and, and see what's going on was the San Diego Comic-Con. Mm. And I, you know, I just, the tip of the iceberg with that stuff, I'm sure there's a million panels I'd like to go see. I, I actually went and watched some really ones that I probably would have seen when I was there, because they're usually the ones that are like, you can actually get into the room and it's not like Hall H stuff. Yeah. So I watched a couple panels on like uh, science stuff hmm. from there, which I love. <laughs> yeah, and with that one, there was almost like too much to try to go through. Too. I mean, just like as in the real thing, but at least in the real thing, you kind of like stumble around and walk into a room, sit down, see someone talking. But with YouTube videos, it's just like you're just randomly clicking on one of a thousand videos. So. Yeah. I think they said that they had 2.7 million views, which is pretty decent, man. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Definitely a lot of interaction. Go ahead. So I said I've never been to a convention, or at least not like a nerd convention. Like a lot of the ones I've been to are for business and professionalism, so everything's super structured, right? And you're, you go to point A, you go to point B, and you go to point C, and like your, your schedule, the most like freedom you have is choosing between one of three or four like different lectures kind of going on. How does that differ from like an op completely open convention like, you know, San Diego Comic-Con or Comic-Palooza, some of that? Like, I'm, I'm curious, because I'm, I'm not used to that world. We need to totally rectify this and take you to the next con. I figured that would be the response from at least one of someone who has said this to you. But yeah, no, it's um, I'm, I'm used to a very different kind of convention. And so when I think, yeah, conventions, I think, OK, cool. I'm up at six o'clock in the morning. I'm going I'm getting breakfast at six thirty. I'm going I'm, I'm hitting my first panel by seven thirty. I'm, I'm busy until midnight, um, but in a very rigid way. I feel like this will be the same way for nerd cons, but like in a fun way. It, so it's crazy. So like for San Diego, the the schedule that they have for panels is like a double wide book. If you like did it landscape. Yeah. And so it, it basically has panels by hour going all the way across the page. Wow. And so you really are really making a decision between, you know, something. If you wanted to do Hall H, you should have planned that like eight hours ago or, um, you know, like. There have been times when we've quite literally said, okay, well, what do we want to go see? And then we'll walk up near that panel room and be like, realize that it's like, you know, okay, we can't make it into this panel that's in this room or the next one or the one after that for the length of the line. Yeah. So let's go. What's the next thing in the list that we, you know, would be interesting to us. And we always almost always end up in like going, well, this one, we don't know anything about this. We don't, we don't have any real interest at all. And we wander in the room, sit down, and really, really enjoy it. Because we're learning something new. And they're always entertaining. I mean, because clearly people don't get panels at Comic-Con unless they have something cool that they're going to be doing. Yeah. So we learn all kinds of bizarre stuff. And uh, some mm. of our very fit, like, that's how we went to our very first uh, Starship Smackdown. Was kind of, like, ended up in that room. Yeah. And, you know... In the early years of Starship Smackdown, it was way more fun, right? Because they hadn't done the exact same ships 20,000 times. Yeah. Which is why when I created Nuclear Warfare, I was like, when I have to make something that changes every single time you play it, it's never totally. the same. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's the problem you have. You really have to choose. And sometimes the choices are made for you. Okay. Because of other people also choosing the same thing and being a little bit late. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. What's your experience, Mark? Um, just, uh, you have to like lines a lot. I mean, you just have to, you just have to be able to tolerate a line and, and maybe, maybe if you don't want to do a line, uh, that came out wrong. <laughs> if you don't want to do lines, then we got another thing. No, then, then you're going to lose energy real fast if you, that, <laughs> that happens. But no, but so what I'm saying is like, let's say you, there's a celebrity A and you want to meet them. You might be in their line for three hours uh, and you're going to be, you can miss out on 15 other different things. But the same thing is being, being said for uh, panels. You've heard of like the legendary wait times at, at Hall H, uh, where it's just like people camping out for two days to get into uh, a certain panel. And when you're doing that, you're losing time that could be spent on the floor, meeting uh, independent artists, buying their stuff, supporting their wares, all that kind of thing. But what I like to do structurally is I like to leave that stuff for Sunday. Because typically the bigger guests are going to be Friday and Saturday. Uh, and then by the time you get to Sunday, uh, the convention floor is a little more lax. People are tired, so they're not as pushy. And then yeah. you can just kind of like make your way, uh, find great deals on comics, collectibles. Um, and, and usually go around and pick up your commissions. That's the other thing is like you have to know... With the big premium artists, you have to run in that, like, literally run to their table first thing, either Thursday or Friday, depending on if it's three or four days. And uh, just within, you know, so spend a good chunk of your change then to for something that you'll try to pick up Sunday before you get out of there. But, um, yeah, you just, I think the, uh, I love being able to do this every week with within a pandemic and we we still are able to keep in touch and uh using technology which we all have now because we carry it around in our pocket oh uh, so i think like the virtual con is like a perfect attachment to what's going on now and you see a lot of shows uh doing that but at conventions you just never know what's going to happen or who you're going to pop into much like uh Chaz, who has just joined us <laughs> on, on Skype. Uh, hey, uh, Chaz knows about virtual conventions and regular conventions. How's it going, I dude? Do. It's going, but I do. But he, I'm here to drop some knowledge about the Rocket Queen show this, this weekend. I'm yeah, only go. on for we're, we're in the studio right now. We're doing studio things. Ooh. Say hi, Josh. Hey, Josh. Uh, hey! Walter, what's up? Hey, see, and I know those guys from I know those guys from an interview we did for the quarantine con. So there you go, we tied it all together. Quarantine, yeah, still in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna give it to Walter, and he's gonna let you guys know what's going on this Saturday, man. Dude, Walter. I don't, I don't know if I, I know what's going on this Saturday. What's up, guys? What's going on? <laughs> so yeah, so we're uh, I guess we're playing this Saturday in Oklahoma somewhere. Mm -hmm. What city are we playing? Chickasaw. Chickasaw. <laughs> I think it's called. Chickasaw. I can't pronounce whatever it is. I'm not gonna pronounce. Chickasaw. Chica say, there you go. <laughs> See, I would already got shot. Already got shot. <laughs> um, believe it or not, that's happened to us before. Like, we played somewhere where I will still pronounce it wrong. It was in New York. No, no, uh, no, no, no. Worcestershire. Anyway, I pronounced it way wrong on stage, and I swear to God, forty. People came up to our merch booth, not to, but just to tell me. I, so I'm not going to do that with Oklahoma <laughs> because they have a organs and bow and arrows and all sorts of crossbows and weird shit. So uh, anyway, we're playing in Oklahoma with Saliva for our first show since this quarantine happened. So mm -hmm. it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a good show. Really good fun. show. Should be real fun. Yeah, it's at Legends Pub. Legends Pub, but uh, we saw that they may be uh, live casting it, live broadcasting the show. 
So it'll be this Saturday at nighttime. And um, yeah, man, come hang out with us. Cool. No. Six. We're, yeah, we're gonna uh, check that out. We'll shoot that out. If that's the case, we'll find a link. And we can uh, check that out live. Hey, Chaz, is this the one that's going to be like a drive-up experience for people that are there? No, I don't think this one is. Not um, that. Our player watched. Uh, tell, them what, tell them what you saw, Jay. Tell them what you saw, bro. <laughs> he's, he's shy. So he watched. He looked at some pictures. And uh, nobody was um, uh, social distancing whatsoever. So zero masks. But we will be far away from them. We'll be on stage. They're the behind the metal cage, so there, there you go. We'll throw guitar picks at their faces <laughs> and not get them back. So cool, man. I'm sorry it's not nerdy things, but uh, we wanted to hop on real quick, let you guys know what's going on this Saturday at Legends Pub. We'll have a link, and uh, I know you guys are busy, right? Hey, check it out, Jared. By the way, look who it is. Oh, hey, what's up? What's up, man? Oh, uh, I like your sandwich. You good? <laughs> He wants to know how your drumstick sandwich was. It's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Nice. Nice. Cool. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll be back uh, next Monday, I guess. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for letting us hop on. Go rock, Chase. Yeah, of course. We oh, will. Course. Rocket Queen is the official band of the Kingdom of Geekdom. See you later, Chaz. <laughs> see you guys. Later. Later. Later? Later, yeah. Later. So, fun, fun fact: um, Josh, the drummer of Rocket Queen, we did this um, after quarantine con. We, we were like, "Hey, man, you got to redeem yourself," because we ask everybody, "What's a sandwich you would make if you walk into a deli and saw your name? And what would it be?" And his whole thing was, you know, drumstick shavings. And so, like, Chaz went up to him, was like, "Hey, you got to redeem yourself. Like, let's let's do a quick interview." And while well, he's going through all this stuff, and he's trying to, you know, go through his redemption, and he's like, "Okay, what's your um, what's your sandwich?" And he makes something new. The plan was for the tab show, like, yeah, that was really cool exclusive interview with Josh, the drummer from Rocket Queen. It's going to be really cool. Here it is. And it's like, hey, I'm Josh. And we cut back to us like, man, that was so cool. And it's like, when he finally saw it, his reaction was priceless. It was fantastic. Definitely go check that episode out. I think it's like episode 64. I'm guessing here. Somewhere around the 60s. I don't know. We do this every week. And see, uh, so Jarek, what you just experienced with that whole Rocket Queen cut in, that would be basically the equivalent of you just getting out of a panel and then one of your friends is just coming off the artist floor and you have that awkward interaction for nice. like five minutes as you're both going to continue to do something else at the convention. Because it's just like, as Miss Jen could tell you, there's so many times where you will just like be running to get to the next thing, but you'll see someone and you really have to stop and talk to them but you really can't because you got to get to this thing and uh but that's part of the uh that's something that we don't normally get through the virtual experience but we brought yeah. that to you here on nerd news now uh, also did he ever make good on the sandwich with uh drumstick shavings i have no idea but i kind of hope he does you know what would be actually good, and it could be drumstick shavings, would be if you uh, took a, a pretzel rod and just shaved that up and give, give it a crunch on top. You have like a salty crunch give on nice top. Maybe like, a, maybe like a ham and Swiss melt. That'd be kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. I actually use actual drumsticks. Now, I'm not talking about drumsticks, like just like chicken. No, 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 like, like, like for drumming, like drumstick shape. Yeah. But like, it would be a pun. Yeah. yeah. That's what he originally uh, with, and we're like, what? I'm like, okay, whatever. No, it's actually a really good sandwich. It was a quarantine con thing. Um, the Jamal Eigel is what we're calling it now. It's If you like tuna, it's fantastic. It's tuna, uh, cranberries, balsamic vinegar, lettuce, tomato, onion, and Swiss cheese. Oh, man. I was not expecting... When we first, it was our first interview for that, and we weren't expecting him to actually give us an answer. But the fact is, like, I don't know, let me think about it, and just rattles that out. And then we actually went ahead and made it like we like we were supposed to be doing. And man, that was a sandwich. It was really good. He put a little bit of thought into this, and I love it. Oh yeah, I find that dry cranberries work really well with a uh, tuna fish. Yeah, I was not expecting that as a good combination. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, what kind of what kind of bread? Did he have a specific bread? Uh, ciabatta. Oh man, ciabatta is awesome. Yeah, it just it tied everything together. It was it was really good. I was not expecting that from a sandwich that was supposed to be just off the cuff. 
And uh, yeah, see, so there's at least one positive thing from quarantine then. That's true. That is true. That cranberries go well with tuna fish. That oh. is, if, if there's one thing we learned from quarantine, that needs to be it. <laughs> not social distancing, not washing our hands, not wearing a mask if you're sick. It's that cranberries and tuna fish go hand in hand. We go together like tuna fish and cranberries. No, it doesn't work. No, I think that was uh, that was a, a disco hit in 1979. Oh yeah, the, known about for a while. The Bee Gees, definitely. Well, uh, speaking of virtual things and cons online, uh, DC Fandom uh, is still planned to go on August 22nd, and they so they have what I think might also be too many guests. They have 300 guests. Okay. So I don't know if, like, one, that's just, like, an overwhelming amount from one part of nerdom. Because, like, that's 300 people related to DC Comics. So if you like Marvel, you're out of luck. But if you like Marvel, you probably wouldn't be in an event called DC Fandom, right? Totally. But, but they have released a list of, I guess, the bigger stars that are going to be part of that. Um, tell me which of these you guys are most interested in. We have Zack Snyder's Justice League. Okay. We have. Uh, I, I was going to allow for the the snort retort, and then I'll keep going, and then we'll get your answer. I um, was interested in that one, but okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad, the James Gunn version. Okay. Wonder Woman eighty four. Okay. The Flash, the Batman, mm. Shazam, Shazam two, and Black Adam. Black Adam, definitely. Okay, are we okay? So when we say Black Adam. Are we saying, hey, it's in production still, like they have been saying for who knows how long? Or is this like Black Adam with a release date? Apparently, The Rock has a teaser that he's going to, I mean, he, he is scheduled to be, to be there uh, and okay. have at least a teaser. Okay, because like if it's just him saying, hey, we're working on it still, I'm going to be like, okay, but, you know, The Rock, Mr. The Rock, sorry, you've been saying this for how long? <laughs> you guys have been saying it's been a thing for who knows how long, and we have been waiting. I want um, this and maybe he's just going to be there to promote the fact that he bought the XFL. That could be it. And I'm if that's the case, I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Miss Jen, out of those things, what, what do you want to hear more about? Because a lot of that stuff has been on the burner for a while now. Uh, but is there anything that you just can't get enough of or that you want to see more of that hopefully they cover? <laughs> I'm interested to see what Gunn says about what he's going to do with Suicide Squad. Is he going to throw away all of the characters that we know and start new, like we've been hearing rumors about with, like, I don't know, was it Polka Dot Man or whatever they started announcing? I'm interested to see. I mean, because, hey, listen, he took some creatures I didn't know anything about or care about with Guardians of the Galaxy and made me love them. True. So he could be magic. That could be That's true. Man, uh was David Dasmarson is Polka Dot Man, and Chaz interviewed him yep. for uh, the virtual con that uh, Adventure Begins was a sponsor of. So it's all this stuff really does come all together once you're aware of the uh, everything going on in comics and pop culture. It's like then you can't get away from it. Um, can I? Yeah, can I, I oh, go, oh, go ahead. I Similar to Suicide Squad, right? Similar. Keep in mind. Yeah. But instead of like the A to B list villains kind of doing stuff, oh, sorry, the B to C list villains doing stuff. Give me the the D to E list villains. Give me the most obscure villains you can think of. The most like Rogues Gallery of the Rogues Gallery. I want a movie of them like you know doing some Ocean's Eleven stuff. I mean, like, give me an arm fall off boy and like, um, I don't know, Calendar Man doing things together, and they're trying to, you know, big, they make their biggest heist in Star City. Perfect, sold. I want, I want this kind of stuff personally. Oh well, I mean, the Calendar Man would definitely be the planner of the group, right? I oh, mean, he would have. To, so, what about you, Mark? Uh, actually, uh, I'm with you on the Suicide Squad, but uh, because I think they're going to be talking about more than just the movie. Uh, as, as, as we said a couple weeks back, there's a game in production, Suicide Squad game, that's going to be in the style of the Arkham Knight series. Yeah. And I'm very interested in that. I mean, I, I like, you know, it's funny, like, 
we were always talking about this being like the the prime time for nerds and geeks and all fans of popular culture and we get pretty much whatever we want and the studios are like just making all this stuff seemingly for us and every day a new comics picked up to be have a new show on hulu or netflix or disney plus um but one thing that's lacking is awesome comic book related video games because so, like my my favorites are still you know games in the arcade from the early '90s like X Men Arcade, and I just I would love for them to make almost that style, but obviously something that took more hours of gameplay to make the price tag worth it, uh, yeah. and just see what kind of obscure uh, characters you could get away with, and like and like Derek was saying, if they can make a video game where you put together like D or E or F list villains from DC and you had to build them up and make them cool. Wouldn't that be awesome? And have all these different missions like bank heist and other things. So, uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm most interested in just seeing what, where they're going with that. Whenever suicide squad pops up, um, people always bring up, Oh, you should read uh, John Ostrander's run uh, because that's something that was completely kind of just overlooked for, the first Suicide Squad movie. So it'd be nice if James Gunn can make more of an attempt to grab from that source material, uh, but also things that come out like video games, if they could pull from that as well, because I, that comic was awesome. Um, and, and obviously, whenever they bring out the, the newer stuff, the art is cool, and you have Harley Quinn, and she sells books. But it'd be nice to go back to more obscure villains doing missions they should not be doing <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's the appeal of it so i feel like part of the issue you run into and i don't know if it's i don't know how vile it will be or how much people would be interested in it um but when you think uh when you do the transition of uh video games into movies the conversation's always well do you do you rehash the video game's plot into the movie itself, or do you write something new? And the argument then becomes, if you rehash the plot, who's going to want to go see it? Because if you play the game, you already know what's going to happen. But if you if you do a whole new thing but set in that setting, are you going to watch it still? Because it's not the same as the video game. So with comic movies, stuff like that, I mean, how does that same argument apply? If you're always drawing from source material and people know that you are, and that's like all you're going after, are, are people more viable of still wanting to go see it? As opposed to, you know, James Gunn saying, hey, we're going to write something completely unique within, you know, the within the setting, obviously, calling back to various things, but it's not something we've seen before. Like, which seems more appealing? I think that's, I mean, I think you just answered a question that executives have probably been asking for 30 plus years, where how are we going to appeal to people that have never picked up a comic book versus people that pick up a comic book every single day? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I think that's one of the most difficult things. And when you get into more obscure properties like Suicide Squad, obviously Harley Quinn by now is a household name. Yeah. Uh, but But if you were to take her out of that and just have six DC villains you've never heard of, um, I'd... I think now people are just like, oh, uh, that looks interesting. Or, well, I never heard of uh, The Boys, you know, until it popped up on Amazon. And that was awesome. So I'll check this out because it's based on comics and they've been having a pretty good run. Uh, yeah. Umbrella Academy, same thing. No sure. one had really picked up uh, outside of someone who goes to a comic book shop frequently and never really picked up Umbrella Academy and they were, unless they were just like a diehard my chemical romance fan in the 2000s <laughs> but but i think now that people know oh comics have really cool stories and these studios are putting a lot of time and money into that production too yeah so i think it's just something you constantly have to be you have to play it both ways because you you, you can't really you can't 100% worry about the comic fan base but you also don't want to totally forsake them either because then you get into like public arguments on Twitter and at conventions and people yelling things at panels and it's just like a mess. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's always going to be the case with source material, right? Uh, because there's also books without pictures and they've been making movies from that even longer. What? There's books without pictures? 
Yes. This is news to me, Marky Mark. And that's why it's Nerd News Now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so check that out. DC Fandom, that's August 22nd. It'll be available online, 100 hours of programming, dcfandom.com. Um, one thing, staying in the digital realm, which we're kind of stuck in right now. Uh, so last week, Disney, Disney announced that Mulan is going to be straight to home. Um, yes. But the catch is it will yeah. be playing in theaters, but only in theaters of countries that do not have access to Disney+. Plus. Oh, so it's going to be released through Disney Plus, but the catch is you have to be a subscriber, and it's going to be a thirty dollars fee. God, so, God. so if you, so if you have a family of four, it's kind of like a no brainer. Okay, money, you know, it's like seven and a half dollars a ticket. Go yeah. for it. The one thing it has really going for it, I think, is that you get to keep that. Like you still have okay. access to that as long as you have the Disney Plus subscription. And since you figure probably. A year from now, it's going to be on Disney Plus without having to pay that fee. I mean, if you have kids that really want to see it, especially with the playability of Disney movies, and you hear so many times how kids latch onto these movies and watch it like 20 times and, you know, memorize the lines and the songs and all that. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's totally worth it. Um, so I think it's going to do well. Now, here's the real question. How well does it have to do for them to say... Okay, Black Widow's next. We're gonna put Black Widow on Disney Plus for thirty bucks. Oh, uh, for both of you, uh, what price would you pay pay to see Black Widow? Or are you on uh, the side where you really don't want to see it until it's safe to go back to theaters? Miss Jen, we'll start with you on that. Yeah, Miss Jen, you go first. I got I got a different take on this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I expressed my opinion before that I was like I'm willing to go up to the the one hundred dollar mark to be able to to watch movie in the comfort of my own home with my giant sound system on my big screen TV. <laughs> okay, Derek, what about you? So with the knowledge I have of distribution, exhibition, and consumption and all that fun stuff with the industry, I uh, 30 bucks still seems too much for me, man. Like, okay, so if you're going to a theater, all right, you're going to spend about 30 bucks, you know, that, that's just your ticket if you have a family of four, right? But Disney has cut the middleman out in this equation, and now it's just them who have already produced it. They don't have, an, they don't have to worry about distribution because they're, they're doing it in-house, and their exhibition is on their own platform. 30 bucks is too much in my mind, or, especially if you're already paying a subscription to do this. It may, this, this is easily a cash grab, and they, they, I think they know it is. Um, I would spend 15 20 they watch it honestly especially since i'm already paying a monthly subscription for their service that money should already be going towards whatever i'm watching on it anyway it would be the same thing as if like netflix started making all their originals be pay to watch as well even if you know they're going to come out later on it's it's no different i think the uproar should be there for a lot of other people who you know you shouldn't have to pay extra for something you're already getting access to or should have access to through your subscriptions i don't know it's it, it it's this is a major cash grab on their part. And I always think Disney is the evil empire because they are. And this just kind of further cements them in my, my mindset. Also, this, this podcast is now the official reason I can't get a job at any Disney place. <laughs> uh, well, he here's what I think on that. I think um, the term cash grab being used uh, on the surface uh, would be, you know, something that someone could see it as that, but I really think it's an essential move in these times. Uh, we're seeing from sticking with the, the comics aspect, uh, DC broke off with Diamond for the first time in 25, 30 years, and they did that as, as an essential move. Like, we have to keep the industry moving. We have to put these books on shelves. We have to keep people paid. Uh, so I think there's two ways to look at it. It's either, oh, wait, if we do it this way, we are cutting out the distribution. We get X amount of, of profit back. Yeah. Um, but but for movies, I think they were saying Tenant has to to grow seven hundred and fifty million at this point to make it have it been worth it, and that's not going to happen in a pandemic. Like it's just not going to happen. And and there's probably all these. You know, there's obviously going to be copyright and transfer issues with 
what if someone you know buys it for 30 bucks and finds a way to put it up on uh, uh you know upload it and then other people watch it for free they miss out on that my thought there is that people that are going to do that would do that regardless if it was in the theater or not <laughs> like you hear about people like pirating movies and they're going to see that uh, regardless um i think that it's almost a move that kind of has to be made right now because you got to test it out. We've been we've been wondering about this for for years and years, and probably for the last five years uh, on demand and through Amazon Prime and things like that. Uh, you've had the ability to get these art house movies because, uh, as you know, there's only like one art house theater in the whole Houston area. That's River Oaks. They get at the time they got like three movies at a time. Because um, they had three or four screens, and if you missed it on a random, you know, Wednesday through Sunday, then it's gone the next week. And yep. the only option you had to watch that movie, uh, that independent movie, was paying eight bucks, which at the time was like, whoa, eight bucks, because everything else I can rent for three ninety nine. Um, but especially when you take in the aspect that Disney, you know, draws in the family crowd. Uh, I think $30 is reasonable. I mean, remember, I believe all of us paid 20 bucks for Bloodshot, right? I mean, that, that, that was the price at the time. And now, I think one thing they might be able to sweeten the pot with, let, let's say, like, you paid $30 for it, but then you get either $10 credit towards a hard copy Blu-ray when it comes out, or you just get the digital free forever, um nine months later when that's released or whenever whenever it may be just some sort of credit back towards it but i don't know you're shaking your head what's going on no i i i this it comes off almost as as i i don't believe that's the that needs to be the move i mean look at am i mean i think amazon's doing it correctly right now in terms of their video streaming services i mean granted you're paying subscription and you are paying extra to buy movies off of them that aren't a part of amazon prime or a prime video um, but the price for that is like what it's it was 20 for bloodshot because that was that was a new movie coming out and that's i think that's a good price for it like it's granted it was a movie i didn't initially really want to see sorry miss jen but you know it convinced me afterwards and it's like okay cool that was a 20 bucks well worth well worth spending um but like you can rent a video on amazon prime on prime video for like what five bucks yeah. which I, th I think that's a reasonable price to rent a video for 24 hours and see if you like it and kind of go from there. Um, and you can buy most videos through prime video for like what, 10 to 15, maybe 20 for a little bit more for a newer film. That's, that's still hot and kind of, they can't be released. And that is on top of your already like yearly subscription that you're dealing with. Um, so, I mean, it's out there, the on demands and ability to do this kind of stuff is is there and the platforms already are, are present i feel it's almost corporately apologetic for us to be like oh, 30 makes sense they got to make their money back somehow when they're already sweet they're already getting how much money from all of it from everything else um like disney is <laughs> it's not a company that's going to go bankrupt anytime soon let's be real the disney estate has like you know enough money to buy the world if they really want to i'm going to be let's be honest and i think putting a movie out for 30 bucks granted it is a new movie and it would have been released in theaters and granted you know, the pandemic did really kind of screw things up for everything in terms of planning i don't i still think that's too steep and i feel like that is very much a power play on disney's part and they're going to get away with it because they are disney and people will see their stuff um it comes off more as them it's not directly this but it comes off like they're asserting their dominance in the entertainment industry as opposed to any other company who hasn't done this yet. And now Disney's going to set the standard for this. And now we're all going to be paying 50 bucks to get a new movie now on streaming because, oh, Disney's doing for 30. We can easily do it for 40. And so they keep skyrocketing from there. And that's, that's it's the same thing with all the movie industry. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's no reason popcorn needs to be 12 bucks at a movie theater when I can buy a pot and I can buy, you know, a thing of it and get me through a week for like what, three, four, five, three to five bucks at the grocery store? Yeah. And, and, you know, most of the allure of paying uh, a ticket price, other than being able to brag and say, hey, I saw this movie opening weekend, yeah. is on other people. So when we can't or we don't want to be around other people now, uh, one thing with the $30 price point, I think, let's say if they made it $10, that's pretty much the end of movie theaters. Because why would, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, you have a, if you have a setup at home and 
you're allowed to have your own food and do whatever you want and have people over. And uh, I think that that while I understand what you're saying about having you know a service and then having add-ons to a service, it's kind of like when PlayStation releases a video game, but it's not finished yet. But you can access, you know, you can access the whole thing later through the DLC content for twenty bucks, forty bucks down the road. Yeah. When it's why didn't you just wait three months and give me all of it for sixty bucks? Yeah. But I think this, I think in this case, that if if they made a brand new movie, ten dollars right out the bat, and they're like, you can pay ten dollars and watch it at home, or you can go pay fourteen and watch it, you know, in the theater. Even when it's safe, it's like I think a lot more people would lean towards just uh just staying at home so all that being said are you gonna pay 20 bucks to watch bill and ted in your house on august 28th yes okay <laughs> after all that see I yep it so, is the per- it is the perfect middle ground for any kind of movie in terms of price like that i think yeah it still and, makes it viable so when the theaters are open you can go to the theaters you can go through that experience and have the fun of being out in the theaters and the annoyance of it let's be real but also the option like do i really want to go yeah. I really want to deal with John and his two kids who won't shut up the entire time. So I have to stand up and be like, hey, what's going on? I paid 14 bucks for this ticket. What are you doing? And then John looks at you and goes like, hey, they're my kids. You can't yell at them like this. And I'm like, well, okay, Karen, whatever you say. At least I have the option to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and Miss Jen, I know you're going to do that, right? 20 bucks for Bill and Ted? Oh, of course. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Uh, <laughs> so... So yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, Jarek, those are all those are all uh, really good points, and it's I worry about the theater industry as a whole. And I know people who work for movie theaters, and it's just just like people who work for gyms and restaurants and everything else. This is just a really bad time, and it may or may not change. Once once I think it's safe to go out, we're going to go back to those things, but. When they're not having been supported for a year, year and a half, what will there be back to go to? You know, is is the is the question. Um, so speaking of Bill and Ted, which stars Keanu Reeves, uh, they're doing John Wick four and five. Yep. So John yep. Be back and then back again. Yes. Uh, they, they're going to shoot those back to back. They're going to start shooting early 2021. He's over in Germany now. They've obviously had tons of delays on the Matrix that they're shooting there, but they're going to start that early 2021. Uh, number four is going to be due Memorial Day weekend 2022. So a ways off, but at least they're planning ahead. And I'm wondering if because of this pandemic and because stuff is going to be delayed months and in some cases years, do you think that they might plan sequels further out and start doing this back-to-back style film and kind of like get in there when we can, while we can, just in case this were to happen again? So you have more in the can than you would normally. I mean, it's it's more complex than than all that, right? Because you yeah. okay. your worry might be also that you have people that are in your franchise that they unfortunately might not be around to do a sequel. Yep. So you might be thinking to yourself, "Let's get it all in the can. Let's get your legacy on the film, <laughs> just in case something crazy happens." Yeah, you might be sitting there like, "Hey, man, Lawrence Fishburne, he's getting kind of old." I mean. You think he's going to survive COVID-3? I don't know. Might as well film John Wick 7 while he's still around, and we're going to keep going from there. Um, I think that's part of it. And it's, I think it's going to work for established franchises with a hardcore audience that's still watching it. Um, if you're doing Hodunk 2, because Hodunk 1 was really good, like, you know what? We don't know how Hodunk 2 is going to do, but in case it does well, let's spend the money for Hodunk 3. And if Hodunk 2 flops, well, that's it. Um, then it's not going to work. But if you do. Right to Disney Plus. If you get. Yeah, if you get Disney Plus for 30 bucks a movie, and it turns out, hey, 100 million people watched it first day and they're going to buy it again when it comes on DVD, maybe we will do Hodunk 4. I don't know, but it's. There's. There's too much uncertainty for new titles that haven't been established as opposed to ones that already have that audience and the hardcore fan base to support it. It, it, In my mind, it makes sense they're doing John Wick 4 and 5 back-to-back. Kind of like the Lord of the Rings movies when those came out. Sorry, Mark. Back to the thing you don't don't watch. (laughs) Um, They did all three back-to-back-to-back, I think, only because they knew 
the first they 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 knew the first one was going to be a hit. There was nothing like that in the market, and it, it, it was it was perfect for it. And when it did turn out to be a hit, it was they were able to roll these movies out one after the other. Um, but if you're doing something like I don't know um, the Immortal Engine series, where it's like, do we want to do another teen movie? I don't know, and it turns out it's a flop. Man, you just lost how much money? Yeah, and I mean. I mean... <laughs> Going back to something like, you know, Harry Potter, which had a very successful book series, yep. uh, they they were almost forced to shoot some of those back to back because the cast was growing so fast, and it's supposed to be about high schoolers every year, and so uh, yep. you have to do things like that. There are shows that have had to do that with Walking Dead, younger cast members that are growing. But um, I think it's also there's so much content, content, content. You're going to be constantly now fighting with other studios over actors and actresses and you might need to lock them down to a three picture deal and then just knock those out because like Keanu Reeves, I have no idea how he's being in so many upcoming movies. Yeah. <laughs> like just it, he's gotta be stretched incredibly thin. Like it just yeah. So um, part, of, part of me is curious if this leads us back this is me as a movie nerd now. This leads us back down to almost the um how the uh the golden age of cinema was with the different the, the companies and how they're very um very rigid in their contracting with actors and staff and everything else and i wouldn't be surprised if we if, if covidness and the new digital world we live in brings us closer down that path of you know how they do stuff again because it's it's the best way to consider you know hey you're ours for five more movies he doesn't care what they are you're going to beat keanu you're going to be in at least five more movies with time warner um have fun get out there boys um i don't know it's it's, it's this is what i'm curious about as opposed to the streaming service 50 dollar movie yeah um well i'll just I, I got a little bit of tv news i'll run through that real quick and then we'll get to comics to wrap up the show um but speaking of comics and streaming services, The Boys comes back September 4th. Sean Ashmore will be joining the cast as Lamplighter, who they kept alluding to having a dark and mysterious exit from The Seven. So I think that's great casting there, going from Iceman to Lamplighter, who is obviously something to do with fire. Um, that'll be September 4th on Amazon Prime. Christopher Eccleston is returning to Doctor Who. but After 15 years. After 15 years, but not on television, he'll be yep. doing uh, audio serials for Big Finish, which if you never check that out and you're a Doctor Who fan, check that out because pretty much every major actor in that series, I mean, there's there's a hundred plus stories on yep. there. Um, yep. That'll be out sometime next year, but he's going to be doing like, I think, 13 audio episodes. And uh, in news no one saw coming, McGruber gets greenlit for a full eight-episode season on NBC Peacock. Uh, and Jarek is just uh, shaking his head defeat in defeat. This is... this is Who who thought, you know, hey, let's see that parody. Let's see that parody from SNL. We're going to make a movie on this, right? It's gonna yeah. Do, it's going to do okay. A couple years down the line. How many years has it been? At least, at least like, what, six? Eight? Ten? Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's make a show out of it next. Boom! We went full circle, everybody. McRuber, everybody. Um, God, I was, uh, Peacock, too. Uh, it makes sense it's on Peacock, but, like, God, NBC. Well, think, I mean, if you think about Peacock, though, they're going even back further with the the new Saved by the Bell and Punky Brewster. Yeah. yeah. So they're not afraid to go back and look at, you know, obviously... Because of SNL, they own the rights to that, and um, they already have that uh, experience with Will Forte. Anything Will Forte does, I'm there for, so I will be checking that out. Uh, Miss Jen, I know you probably put in orders for comic books that aren't coming out for another six weeks, but anything that you know of this week that people should uh, grab off the shelf? Uh, Death Metal 3's got some really wicked, beautiful covers, some foil stuff. Um, there's a really pretty Wonder Woman cover. There's a Amazing Spider-Man book that's could coming out. There's a, there's a number one coming out this week, but I can't remember what it is. Like Bad Girls or something? Mm. Can't remember. But uh, I, I meant to look before I left. I was like, I cannot remember what comic book company that's with. Lose my mind. Maybe it's the new AWA. It nice. might be the AWA title. 
the is that the new wrestling league by Chris Jericho? No, <laughs> no, that's AEW. Just kidding. Um, but uh, so the adult wrestling association. Wait. <laughs> Uh, Detective Comics 1025, continuing the Joker War. Uh, that's a tie-in, so that'll be hot. Uh, Empire number five. Yep. Uh, the big summer uh, series from Marvel, and then uh, just lots of lots of continuations of series. Flash, Wonder Woman, Venom. Uh, Miss Jen, who, what, what household name like that? I named Flash, Wonder Woman, Venom, but you can include Batman or Spider-Man. Who do you think has the best run going right now for a household name character? Venom. Venom, yeah. 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 And, and, and the most room for potential with this whole like uh, King and Black series coming and all that. So, Mark, uh, you did, you did out, both of you missed, uh, didn't, didn't list out what I think is one of the best recent titles. Um, Transformers and My Little Ponies, Friendship in Disguise. Oh, uh, we talked about that last week. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure because I, uh, I can't <laughs> this week i'm like i'm sold i just this the tagline for it i'm i'm sold i don't like half of this but i want to see what happens now i'm a pony that book was so heavily allocated i ordered 100 of them and got 21 i know people that ordered heavy and got none wow so weird right now in the comic book industry don't get mad at your comic shops they have no control over what they're getting they order stuff and then something shows up in a box and well, we maybe it's what we ordered. Maybe it's two. Who knows? Yeah. No. Cause I want. I, I said I want to hit on what I thought was one of the best new titles and crossovers that no one's asking for, but we got. So. Oh, apparently a lot of people were asking for it. If if uh, not orders aren't being filled like that, but are are there some awesome variant covers for that? I don't think so. No. Yeah, the one in one hundred that was hot. Oh uh, wow. Who is the two lucky comic shops that got the one in 100? <laughs> but it was, but that was funny because we ordered the 100 copies. We only got 21 of them, but they still gave us our one in 100. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Thanks, Diamond. Uh, so, Miss Jen, anything, any other, any other series to be looking out for right now? Maybe not necessarily from this week, but just coming up or a few weeks back? Okay, we have to talk about this thing called The Button, just so that you guys know what's going on. So, um, Bad Idea, which is a new company that Dinesh Shambhasani put together, who used to own Valiant. He's the producer on Bloodshot. He's the coolest dude. Um, they started out uh, a week or so ago. They, they went into kind of like, oh, let's get people excited about Bad Idea, the comic book company they're doing. Uh, because it was supposed to launch right ahead of COVID and of course it couldn't do it. So they're like, okay, well, we're going to do this super fun thing. We made a promo video, uh, which has an image of this button and you're supposed to go to this site called surfthebutton.com and you're supposed to push the button. And they were like, when it gets to a billion hits, then we'll launch the, the books. The problem was, as I told them like 30 seconds after they launched it, you have severely underestimated how many people are going to sit and only push this button and ad nauseum until it happens. And they like realized they didn't have their assets ready for it. No one could figure out that. I mean, <laughs> nerds, right? Come on now. So they started doing crazy stuff. The button is out of control. The button is displeased with our button pushing. So they turned off the button. Then they made us do acts of contrition. And we had to post up embarrassing pictures online in order to earn button pushes. Now this week, they've uh, assigned time slots to comic book stores. Uh, big slot. They've like clombed us all together. Uh, in which we're supposed to be our customers. And we're supposed to be pushing the button. Just during those times that it count toward our total. In cool. some crazy like gladiator challenge in which we're trying to win something in which i'm sure the button's going to give us pieces of coal but we're still going to do it because the button i like it i like it i know uh what was it like early 2000s reddit had something very similar where you pushed a button and it gave you a color and then from and from that the button like there was there was the color wars between like purple and orange and like it devolved into its own thing and i love anything like that that gets you invested in something for no apparent reason other than the fact then it's so stupid i have to do it 
Yeah. I have to be there. And that's, that's, it, it's, it's glorious marketing for them. It's, I think it's working in a way they weren't intending it to after seeing the, the apparent issues it would have brought them. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how many different permutations is going to go through, but I'm sure they're going to keep doing whatever until they're ready for better, ready to print the books. Right. I'm sure they yeah. had to call the printers and said, roll the print. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds uh, very reminiscent of Lost Seasons uh, 2 through 4, too. Just having to... <laughs> just push the button. Yeah, just press the button. Just press the button. Um, try to push the button. It's how it works. So so check out... that. That's pushthebutton.com, right? Uh, or serve, serve the, the button.com. Um, well, we're at the end of our hour. Thank you, Jarek, for... Uh, good to see you the first time in a few weeks. Thank you, Miss Jen, as always. And thank you for watching Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom on Woodlands Online, sponsored by Space Cadets Collection Collection and The Adventure Begins. Check out our other shows on Woodlands Online, like Taste Buds, Music Cafe, The Adventure Begins Show, Woodlands House and Home, The Best You, Weekly Fallout, Sports Talk, and Between the Trees Business Talk. You can watch all these on Woodlands Online and our partner station, KBQT HD21, over the air on your television. And now all of these shows are more available on Roku. Just search Woodlands Online TV to add to your streaming lineup. And, of course, you can hear this and other podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Oh, so we will see you next time on Nerd News Now. Nerd News Now.